Now, if you will turn with me to Acts chapter 26, this will be part five of Acts of Yeshua's emissaries of Shalakim. But today we'll be starting in verse number 12 of Acts chapter 26. And may your word go forth and do all the, of the Father's will in our hearts, our minds, and our souls, that you have fully equipped us for every good gift that comes from the Father up above to all his children. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. So in verse number 12 of Acts 26, on such occasion, I was traveling to Damascus with full authority and power of the head coining, the high priest. I was on the road and it was noon, your majesty, when I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me and my traveling companions. With all, we all fell to the ground. Then I heard a voice saying to me in Hebrew, Shaul, Shaul, why do you keep persecuting me? It's hard to be kicking against the ox goats. I said, who are you, sir? The Lord answered, I am Yeshua, and you're persecuting me. But get up and stand to your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you to serve and to bear witness to what you have already seen of me and what you will see when I appear to you in the future. I will deliver you from the people, that is, unbelieving Jews, that Yeshua is the Messiah, and from the Gentiles I'm sending you to, to open their eyes, both Jews and Gentiles, so that they will turn from darkness to the light, from the power of the adversary to God, and thus receive forgiveness of sins, and a place among those who have been separated for holiness, by putting their trust in me. And so now as we go a little bit deeper, we fully understand those of you who have been following on the podcast and those in person have, have seen that this is a third version of that one encounter that Rav Shaul had with Yeshua on the road to Damascus. The others were found in Acts chapter 9. And it's very important for us to understand this, that as God's word speaks to his people, it's an enduring word. And we're going to look at these three separate occasions here that the Lord appeared to Rav Shaul. And each time he's speaking to a different audience. Just there are times in our own life when the Lord has us share our personal testimony how Messiah revealed himself to us in a very personal way. And there'll be times when you had, have had opportunity to share with both family members and friends, co-workers, and people that you, were learned, that you got to know in the future. And there are some times where you hear this phrase, you know, I, I, I'll give you the short version of it, all right? There are times when the spirit of living God only gives us some of the highlight points. But for us to fully understand how the spirit wants to speak through us, let us now look how the spirit spoke through Rav Shaul as he related this 
his testimony on how he met Messiah. And remember, sometimes we forget that the book of Acts was not written or dictated to a scribe by the apostle Paul, Rav Shaul, but it was Luke, another apostle, that was able to write this to a dear friend of his. So let us begin in Acts chapter 9, and we'll start in verse number 3. He was on the road nearing Damascus when suddenly a light from heaven flashed all around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Shaul, Shaul, why do you keep persecuting me? Sir, who are you? He asked. I am Yeshua, and you're persecuting me. But get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you have to do. The men traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Think about that. The only one that truly saw that Yeshua had rose from the dead at this instant in time was Rav Shohul himself. Because he had had to have that testimony that this one who claimed to be the Messiah had died and he rose from the dead. And now Rav Shaul, he called himself an apostle born out of time. He wasn't one of the original 12. And so the Lord appeared to him personally to reveal him to him the truth, undeniable that the very one that he saw as his enemy, a false prophet, appeared to him and was speaking to him face to face. So continuing here, but get up and go into the city and you will be told what you have to do. The traveling men with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Then they helped Shaul get off the ground. But when he opened his eyes, he could not see nothing. So leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. For three days, he remained unable to see. He neither ate nor drank. There was a Talmud that is a disciple in Damascus, Hananiah by the name. And in the vision, the Lord said to him, Hananiah, he said, here am I, Lord. The Lord said to him, get up and go to Straight Street, to Yehuda Judah's house, and ask for the man from Tarsus named Shaul, for he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Hananiah coming in and placing his hands on him to restore his sight. See, the Lord is giving Rav Shaul instruction. He's giving him visions. And he's, he's showing him that these things are about to come to pass. And this is all Yeshua is doing. So that Rav Shaul's heart would be humbled. And that he would be receiving directly from the Lord. All the things from the past, the Lord was revealing to him. Those are things of the past. But the relationship that he was to have now with God's representative, who is God himself, manifested through his son Yeshua, was now the path that he was to walk on. The path that leads not only to his own salvation, Rab Shaul, but everyone that he would encounter, both to the Jew first and to the nations. So let, let's continue here. And we're in verse number 12. For he is praying, and in, and in a vision he has seen a man named Hananiah coming, 
in and placing his hands on him to restore his sight. But Hanani answered, Lord, many have told me about this man and how much harm he has done to your people in Jerusalem. See, he's giving testimony here. He's not arguing with the Lord, but he's in fear of his own life. And there are times we as believers, we can express that before the Lord. To recognize that he's our provision. And whether our life is taken or not taken, that's in the Lord's hands. He will give us provision to go through this. Continue in verse number 14. And here he has a warrant from the head coining, that's the high priest, to arrest anyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said to him, go. Notice this. If he's Lord, when he tells you to do something, what are we supposed to do? We'll simply obey him. In the likeness and the testimony of Hananiah, who would have a, a, an important impression upon Rav Shaul's life, uh, Rav Shaul, the apostle Paul, also was told to get up, to go, and to go, go to a certain place, and to wait. And he spent that time there waiting, praying for three days. Because he still remained blind. He was waiting on the Lord. Isn't that difficult for us believers today who have had a long uh, personal relationship with the Lord when the Lord says simply to wait and to trust? Though we cannot see the outcome, but know that the Lord's provision is yes and amen. And he'll meet all our needs according to his riches. They're being dispersed from the heavens into us. Are we not the living temples of the living God? Absolutely. So let us continue. Verse 15, but the Lord said to him, go, because this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name to the nations, even to their kings and to the sons of Israel as well. For I myself will show him how much he will have to suffer on account of my name. So Hananiah left and went into the house, placing his hands on him. He said, Brother Shaul, the Lord Yeshua, the one who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. So this took great trusting by Hananiah on his part. Because he knew of Rav Shaul's reputation. He knew that he was there with letters of authority to arrest anyone who was a follower of this Yeshua. But he decided to honor the Lord in doing this. Can you imagine if Hananiah said, no, Lord, go pick somebody else? The Lord would have had to raise up someone else. In that community, God's will be will be done. And there have been times when we've said no to the Lord, we step back. And if we're honest and we be transparent, notice that God will raise up the deliverance from someone else. Because Rob Shul truly needed to be delivered at that time in his life. Now let us go on the second account. That is Acts chapter 22. Acts chapter 22. And we'll be beginning at verse number five. 
See, as we spend time reading God's word, line upon line, precept upon precept, we get more of the depth of God's word, the transforming power of God. And as, as a Jewish believer, learning and listening to these testimonies of Rav Shaul, it speaks to our hearts directly and ministers to us. So in Acts chapter 22 and verse 5, we continue. How many people have been enriched by Rav Shaul's testimony? And where would you and I be today without his testimony? Verse 5, the Kohen Haggadah and the whole Sanhedrin can testify to this. Indeed, after receiving letters from them and their colleagues in Damascus, I was on my way there in order to arrest those in that city too, and to bring them back to Jerusalem, Jerusalem for punishment. As I was traveling and approaching Damascus around noon, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed all around me. I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Shaul, Shaul, why do you keep persecuting me? I answered, sir, who are you? I am Yeshua from where? From Nazareth. And he said to me, you're persecuting me. Those who were with me did see the light, but they did not hear the voice of the one who was speaking to me. Notice it's in reverse order here, because the hearers that were there to hear were focused on certain things. And the spirit knows exactly what we are to share with an unbeliever, whether he be uh, from the house of Israel or one from the nations. It's the spirit that fills our mouths with the words on what part of our testimony to share in great depth and what parts of our testimony to share in small morsels. Because there's sometimes when we come on to people who do not know Messiah, like a flood, so much information that their heads are spinning. And so we need to be led by the Spirit, the living God, on what we're to share and how we're to share. What, what we're to share in all detail and what we're to refrain from sharing. So going forward here. Verse 9. Those who were with me did see the light, but didn't hear the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what should I do, Lord? And after the Lord said to me, get up and go to Damascus. And there you will be told about everything that has been laid out for you to do. I have been blinded by the brightness of the light. So my companions led me by the hand to Damascus. A man named Hananiah, an observant follower of the Torah, who is highly regarded by the entire Jewish community there. Notice this has been added, but wasn't part of the very first testimony that Rav Shaul gave. And so now he's speaking, the audience he's now speaking, they know of Hananiah. And how does Rav Shaul know this? This is a word of knowledge by the Spirit. Because it would catch what was going on in those who were his hearers' hearts and establish even greater truth. Because they knew about this Hananiah. And they knew of, of his reputation as being a pious a follower of the Torah. 
but they did not know that he had come to know and receive Yeshua as his Messiah. So let us continue. Verse 12, a man named Hananiah, an observant follower of the Torah, who was highly regarded by the entire Jewish community there, came to me and he stood by me and he said, Brother Shaul, see again. And at that very moment, I recovered my sight and saw him. Think about the testimonies of Yeshua, healing blind people, healing paralytic people, healing people of various diseases, and also having the power and the authority to literally raise the dead. And think about that for one moment. These people that were hearing the testimony of Hananiah, and knowing this, that by his simple prayer, he was now doing the exact things similar to what Yeshua was doing. Because he was sent there to what? To lay hands on Rav Shaul. And by doing so, by faith, praying and trusting the Lord, because the Lord told him directly that this was going to take place. And by him simply obeying, the Lord restored the sight of Rav Shaul. And it's undeniable to all those who are hearing this, that since now this Hananiah came to receive Yeshua as his Messiah, these same types of miracles were being manifested in his own life. Verse 13, he came to me and he stood by me and said, Brother Shaul, see again. And at that very moment, I recovered my sight and I saw him. He said, the God of our fathers determined in advance that you should know his will. What was his will? To receive Yeshua as his Messiah. To see the Zadik, the righteous, the holy one. And to hear his voice. Think of our father Abraham. He heard the voice of the Lord and called him from of the Chaldees, and he sent him on the journey to the land of Canaan. Think of Yaakov. Think of Isaac. They all had a personal relationship with Abba, Father God. Continuing here. Because you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen, and what you have heard. See, he's given confirmation. Another human being, another Messianic Jew, is giving confirmation to what Yeshua has already spoken face to face. And the significance of him once having a veil over his eyes. In some portion of scripture, it says like scale over his eyes. He was blinded to the full manifestation and truth and revelation of God the Father manifested through his Son, who is a literal representative of God the Father on this earth. And for him to receive that full revelation, he had to lose his sight, that he could regain his sight through the power and the name of God's Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. 
And that was an imprint on to his heart and soul. He saw the Shekinah, the, the light of God. Even though the sun was directly over him, there was a greater light than even the sun that came and displayed itself before him. We Jews need a sign. And Rav Shaul is receiving the sign that brings about the fruits of repentance, brings about the blessings of his salvation, who is a person, a literal person, who is Yeshua. Let's continue here. Verse 15, because you will be my be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. So now, what are you waiting for? Get up and immerse yourself. See, he had to go now through the waters of the mikvah to do teshuva, to repent of his sins, of persecuting his own Messiah and his people. He had to go through this process. But now he's being immersed into a brand new name. He's being immersed in the waters, a symbol of dying to your old ways and raising up brand new life in Messiah Yeshua. That is a testimony to all those around us that we no longer live in our old life. But we come to know Messiah. We recognize both his death and his resurrection. And now the Spirit speaks to us and convicts our hearts of our sins. And we do what? We do teshuva, which is what? To turn around and forsake the things of this world and turn our hearts and minds back to God the Father, to be reconciled to the Father through his son, Yeshua. And this is what Rav Shaul had to do, as every believer has had to do, a personal recognition, revelation of who Messiah is. And later to be able to go underneath the waters of immersion and come out a brand new creation in Messiah, being transformed and empowered by the equipping and the anointing and the infilling of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. Let's continue here. Verse 16. So now, what are you waiting for? Get up and immerse yourself and have your sins washed away as you call upon the name. Prior, that name was the most hated name that Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, knew because he truly believed that Yeshua was a false prophet leading the, the, the children of Israel astray by his signs and wonders. But now he came face to face to the truth. And that's what every Jewish person who do not, does not know Messiah needs today. After verse 17 of Acts chapter 22, after I had returned to Jerusalem, it happened that I was praying in the temple and I went into a trance and I saw Yeshua. Hurry, he said to me, get out of Jerusalem immediately because they will not accept what you have to say about me. And I said, Lord, you know, you know 
They know themselves that in every synagogue I used to imprison and flog those who trusted in you. And also when the blood of your witness Stephen was being shed, I was standing there too in full agreement. And I was even looking after the clothes of the ones who were killing him. But he said, Yeshua said to him, get going, for I'm going to send you far away to the Gentiles. And so with this, we see now the testimony that had been used in various ways by the spirit of living God. They fell, as we go closer here, some of the details in the reports differ. In chapter 9, the light has to have been said to flash around Shaul and his companions. In other tellings, it surrounded Shaul only. In chapter 9, his companions stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. But in chapter 22, they saw the light, but did not hear the voice of the speaker. And so in chapter 26, they all fell to the ground. Each telling has its own purpose, being directed by a particular audience and emphasizes now different aspects of what happened. Here's a composite of what took place with all three versions. The light surrounded both Shaul and his companions. They all saw the light, but only Shaul saw Yeshua personally. They all heard some sort of sound, but only Shaul heard the distinct words. All fell to the ground, but Shaul's companions, they were able to get up. But Rav Shaul wasn't able to. He needed assistance. Why? Because the conviction of God was heavily upon his heart, mind, and soul. Understood as what is described as being a supernatural event. No further attempted to explanation now is needed. But some who do not believe in the supernatural events have to explain what now is needed. Some attempt to demythalize Shaul's version and revelation of Yeshua as the Messiah as a combination of coincidences, right? How often have you seen in the daytime when the sun is directly above you, a brighter light shining going forward? Or as psychotic or epileptic seizures or simply embellishing what is true? Great significance here is that, that uh, Rav Shaul heard Yeshua speaking to him directly in Hebrew. This was a revelation to Rav Shaul, because there's no occurrence throughout all the scripture that reveals that he actually heard Yeshua preach prior to Yeshua's death and resurrection. And the significance is this, is that the book of Acts records certain times when Rav Shaul had these encounters with Yeshua, doesn't give us them all in great depth. Think of the times that Rav Shaul was out in the Arabian desert 
prior to him coming and revealing himself to the Messianic community in Jerusalem. And so why was Hananiah left out of the version of Shaul's testimony in Acts chapter 26? Because Agrippa would not have been interested in the role played by this observant follower of the Torah. And so the spirit of living God had him refrain, had it more concise for him to see and to observe. Just as when we go and we share our faith with others, we're not to practice or rehearse what we're about to say. We're to be led by the spirit of the living God. Because he says in that day and hour, we, we don't have to fear. Because the Ruach, the spirit, will expressively speak in and through us. If we speak from our own intellect or through practice, we're not walking underneath the anointing of the living God at that time. Is it important to write down your testimony? Absolutely. But allow the spirit of the living God to express himself in and through us. Because then it becomes a living word. The living word of God is manifested through our testimony at that time. And it becomes undeniable to those that we're sharing with. So, Rav Shaul was told to stand on your feet. These are the same words that Adonai used when calling Ezekiel to serving as a prophet. And where is that found? In Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 1. It also suggests that Shaul too was calling to speak to be a spokesman for God. Without a part of that scripture, when I appear to you in the future, are we not all looking for the appearance of the Lord one day? When he descends to the clouds and receives his bride unto himself? You know, the scripture says that there's a crown that will be giving out to those who long for the Lord, their bridegroom's appearing, a literal crown. That we will be able to take off our head when we're in the heavens as an act of worship, as we cast that crown, giving God of glory and honor and praise, which are due unto his name. Because there's no good gift in us of ourselves, but only what the Spirit has endowed us with. It's these giftings. Are we not literally the temples of the God Most High? And it is the Spirit of the living God who gives these spiritual gifts to us, not for our own selves being built up and puffed up, and drawing people into ourselves, but those gifts are given for the equipping and the establishing of the kingdom of God, the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit, are to orchestrate God's kingdom in the minds and the hearts of all people. As all people from the nations are continually being grafted in, 
to the olive tree. These wild branches daily are being grafted into that, that olive tree, which is, represents the nation of Israel. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise be unto God. And going on in, in verse uh, 20, actually I have to go back to this portion here. Let's now go to Acts chapter 26 and verse 19. So King Agrippa, I did not disobey the vision from heaven. On the contrary, I announced it first in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout Yehuda, Judah, and also to the Gentiles, that they should turn from their sins to God and do then do deeds consistent with repentance, which is Teshuba. That they should turn from their sins to God and do deeds consistent with that of repentance. So turn from your sins. Repentance. This is the Greek word which is written as metaneo. And it corresponds, it fits like a glove with the word Hebrew, which is shuva, meaning to repent. Rav Shaul's message was the same that that of Yohanan the Immerser. Did he not call the people of Israel to repentance? Did he not call them to the waters of the mikvah as a sign of laying down their lives and rising up? Was it, is it not true that on all the days when the Lord commanded for the Jewish men to assemble in Jerusalem, that as they made Aliyah, they went up to the city of Jerusalem and later to be able to go up to the outer areas, the worship assembly areas, that they were to go through the waters of mikvah, the waters of baptism, showing fruits of repentance. This is all firmly established in God's word. And this was the same word that Yeshua spoke in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, and also Matthew 23, 3, calling the nation to repentance. That is the only access with a broken and contrite heart. Think about now the great tribulation, which will happen seven, day, seven years. It will last, which is a fulfillment of Jacob's trouble. It's spoken in the book of Daniel. That this will bring about contrite, broken hearts in the Jewish people. Think of this. There is only one nation of all the nations of earth that's promised a day of salvation. And what will God bring in their hearts prior to this? A contrite and broken heart so that they will show the fruits of true repentance. And it says that in that day, all Israel, that holy remnant, 
as they go through that great tribulation, as the abomination that leads desolation, which is the end of Messiah, who they believe is the Messiah. And that third temple is then built, and the both the morning and the evening sacrifices will, will, will begin again. And then after three, three and a half years, the end of Messiah, he will stand in that temple and he'll say to them, now you are to worship me. Then the holy remnant will free, flee from his presence. The Lord will protect them. And they will cry out, Baruch Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they will give, the spirit of living God will give them a contrite heart, a brokenness. And they will produce the fruits of Teshuvah, which is repentance. And then the Lord shall come back. And we who are the bride of Messiah will come with them, with the Lord. And he will come and set up his eternal, his millennial reign here on earth. And in that day, there will be great day where all what is left of the nation of Israel. In that day, the scripture says, all Israel of that holy remnant of that nation shall be saved. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word will go forth and accomplish all what you have said. What your holy prophets of old have, have proclaimed are yes and amen. In all your word, and even now we see what's happening in our world. The troubling, governments are failing us. All these things are being stirred up. There are more earthquakes. There are, there are more pandemics. There's all these things that are happening. And these are all part of your orchestration of your last days. We thank you, Father God, that it is you who are orchestrating all these things. And we as believers have nothing to fear. We have your word. Are we investing our time reading and studying your word? And believing what the holy prophets have said of old including Yeshua himself, what he said, will be prior to his coming for us. Did he not promise us that he has gone to the Father to prepare a place for us and that one day he's coming back for us? We're looking forward to that day, almighty God. May we know that we've been called for such a time as this, to be filled with your Ruach, to be filled with your spirit, to be filled with your word, accomplishing all what God the Father desires for us to do. Building your kingdom, winning the lost, sowing seeds of the good news that will produce a harvest of holy ones. To your name be all glory and honor and praise in Yeshua's name. Shabbat shalom, my brothers and sisters.